This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Cam Poitras here. Jim Tilt. Jim, how you doing? I'm well. Happy Friday. How are you, everybody? I am excited. It's good. Friday. Tons to get to here, of course. Lots. Big uh, game tonight. News yesterday. Uh, Josh Morrissey uh, not getting an odd for the Norris. We'll get into that as the show goes on. We're going to be talking as well as uh, net minding in the National Hockey League. How important is having an elite goaltender between the pipes? Um, oh, we'll get into that. It might sound like kind of a ridiculous premise, of course. It's important to have one, but we'll uh, we'll take a deeper dive into that as the show goes on here as well. Jeff Spencer, uh, chair of the Aboriginal Sports Circle Hockey Committee, is going to be joining us in studio to talk about the National Aboriginal Hockey Championship, which is going to be taking place at the Seven Oaks Sportsplex starting on the 7th on Sunday. So lots to get to as the show goes on. But big game tonight for the Manitoba Moose. And to kick things off, we're joined by Daniel Fink, manager of hockey uh, communications and a broadcast broadcaster for the Manitoba Moose. Uh, Finker, how you doing? Good, good. Just uh, taking in the end of uh, morning skate here, just the tail end of things. For heading back to the hotel to get ready for tonight's game. Should be a doozy. Having yourself in, uh, in, uh, in the land of cheese and beer? Oh, it's a, it's a great town. You know what? Uh, we were walking around yesterday, go grab some lunch, and then later on grab some dinner. And uh, it really is a beautiful town, good old architecture and all that stuff, right on the river. So uh, it's it's always it's kind of a home away from home for us at this point, mm-hmm. seeing as I believe this is the 29th time these two teams play against each other in the past couple of seasons. So we spent <laughs> a lot of time in Milwaukee. We know all the good spots. So a lot of familiarities uh, between these two teams. Of course, they met in the playoffs. Um, an overview, I mean... Uh, I, and this is something I keep hearing from the players and the coaches in the post games and and the pre games is talking about how they're 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 getting full efforts from all the guys. How's that working? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that relies on its depth, that relies on everybody pulling in the same direction every night. Otherwise, they're just not going to be successful. Um, they, they do have some of that high-end talent, like your Jansen Harkins, like your Alex Lamoche, like your Jeff Malazza and Dominic Toninato. But even those guys, if they're not putting in a full effort every single shift, they're just not going to be able to, to really compete with teams that might have a higher overall skill value, like the Milwaukee Admirals. Uh, so for the Moose, they need everybody on the same page, and they've had that. Uh, really throughout this series. Obviously, Game 1 didn't really go their way, but uh, uh, going on to Games 2 and 3, they've been real tight defensively. They've been very physical, really upping that level uh, from the regular season, and they've been able to frustrate a a high-powered Milwaukee team that uh, probably feels like it should have maybe walked past the Moose in this series, but uh, finds itself trailing now heading into Game 4. Man, Daniel, you get to those overtime games and you you desperately, especially in a five-game series, want to get them. You mentioned game one. Uh, What have you seen from the team in games two and three that has propelled them to victories, but especially when uh, you grip the stick a little tighter in those overtime games? Well, I mean, I think one key for the Moose is they've been able to end those overtime games rather quickly. I mean, it only took 90 seconds, uh, a little over that, for Jansen Harkins to get the winner as the Moose uh, went on the attack from the drop of the puck, spent their entire time in the offensive zone, and eventually got that loose puck in front to go. And then once again, on uh, Wednesday, the Moose were all over the Admirals to start that overtime period. They gave up one chance and then uh, spent the rest of the time on the attack. 
were able to draw a penalty and then score late on that power play. So uh, for the Moose, the, that overtime, it, it's been key that it's been done quickly, and, and they haven't sat back. I mean, there can be that tendency to uh, just try not to lose in overtime and you end up sitting back and it works against you. But the Moose have gone out. They have tried to win in those overtimes, and it served them well. Scored first in both the games that they've won so far. Is that going to remain at the top of the, the keys to victory tonight? I think it'll be important. I mean, Milwaukee's been able to uh, find their way back into those games, or in the case of Game 2, actually gain the lead in the third period, despite the Moose scoring first. But uh, when you look at this game, and the Admirals are going to come out real hard here tonight. Uh, this is this is a game that uh, Milwaukee obviously has to win to keep their season going, and that's a veteran club over there. They know what's up. Uh, so they're going to come out, and they're going to try to run the Moose out of the building early. So that first 10 minutes is going to be real important if the Moose can get one on the board, and maybe even for the first time this series, get a two-goal lead that would certainly go a long way to helping them out here tonight. But uh, make no mistake, this is going to be the toughest game of the season to win so far, uh, as the, the Admirals no doubt don't want their season to end in their own building. You mentioned Jansen Harkins. He's got three points in the three games. Uh, Declan Chisholm has three helpers in all three games. Uh, those two standing out. Who else has been playing well? And, and maybe from what I've been hearing, Daniel, and, and reading, it, it just it's a team collective right now. It really is. I mean, when you look at where the goals have come from, of course, Wyatt Bon Giovanni gets the OT winner uh, the other night. Nicholas Jones gets the big opening goal in Game Two for the Moose, and uh, those those big guys have to contribute. Of course, Jeff Malott gets a goal in the second period to help out, and uh, that top line for the Moose with uh, Harkins, Tony Nato, and Malott really seems to be finding its stride in this series, spending a lot of time in the offensive zone, getting lots of chances because the Moose actually had a couple pretty good looks to end that game in regulation on Wednesday. Malat hitting the post twice in the final five minutes. So uh, that top line really starting to, to push the pace defensively. The Moose, of course, have those three great skating and offensive-minded defensemen in, in Declan Chisholm, Leon Gavanka, and Billy Hainala. And while they haven't necessarily taken over the series, maybe like they kind of did in the second half of the series last season, uh, they have certainly provided that uh, good push up the ice, created opportunities for the Moose. And uh, uh, like you're mentioning, Chisholm there had the two assists uh, on the uh, game-tying and the game winning goal back in game two so it's been uh, it's been important for the moose like we we're saying right off the top to have that balanced attack uh, the say the four lines going out the three pairings rolling over the wall and i think importantly too oscar salmon has given them some pretty good goaltending the past couple of games didn't wasn't super busy in game three the moose did a real nice job to cut down on the scoring chances but uh, he's provided some rock solid net finding and that's really what the moose needed coming into the uh, into this set one more here, uh, Daniel, before we let you go. Uh, can't not ask you about Jimmy Olney, uh, named AHL Man of the Year yesterday. Oh, it was so exciting for us to, to find out that he was going to be honored with that award. I mean, it, it really is a hallmark of uh, what we try to do in the American Hockey League and especially with the Moose and True Our Sports Entertainment. That community involvement is so important to us as an organization. And it's so important to Jimmy. I mean, he has come to this team. Uh, he has embraced the community, embraced uh, this organization. And uh, the amount of work he did, uh, especially in the first half of the season when he was uh, still trying to get back in the lineup after that off-season injury, uh, was remarkable. He was just out doing everything. Thing. He's the first one to put up his hand to go to any sort of community appearance, and that's so important for young players to see. There's a lot of value in that, uh, not just uh, to uh, you know what to ingratiate yourself with the community, but it's rewarding for yourself as well. Uh, it's important to develop those ties in the community. It helps keep you grounded um, in, a, in a in a weird world in pro sports. And Jimmy Olney is just that great example. He's a great leader and uh, doesn't just uh, do it with uh, with the talking. He he shows. It's, uh, with his actions and uh, 
couldn't be more happy for Jimmy to to win that award. Is uh, it is so important? Well, let's uh, wrap things up tonight. Six thirty pregame show puck drop at seven. Moose in Milwaukee taking on the Admirals. Game four. Uh, the Moose leading that uh, best of five series. Uh, two games one. Let's see them. Uh, see you guys back at yeah. Canada you Life make Center. that happen, okay, Daniel? You wrap it up tonight. Pal. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> awesome. Great stuff. Great calls, by the way. Too looking forward to the game tonight. He's had some monster. Well, I'm talking about him in the third person. He's still here, but Dan, he's had some. Dan, you've had monster calls. Great calls. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, I know the game dictates that too, but you deserve a lot of credit, Dan. You sound great, man. Appreciate that very much. Looking forward to it tonight. All right, take care, Daniel. All right, uh, two old guy. Great guy. Two of four people on the show. He's one zero sixty eight sixty eight two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Before we uh, we we got some time for uh, another segment here. Uh, this one from Dino, and I wanted to talk about goaltending. And I, I I had we had to push it. We just ran out of time yesterday with so much stuff going on here. And um, I wanted to talk goaltending. We're going to talk Josh Morrissey and, and the Norris and, and not getting the nomination when things uh, uh, turn after the bottom of the hour um, news with 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 Skylar Peters coming up here. Um, but I got a text here. Uh, this one's from Dino. Jim and Cam, you said you were going to chat about goalies today. What are your thoughts on Hellebuck's uh, quote-unquote arrogance? He's always so confident, and rightfully so, because he is elite. But I wonder, has it rubbed off on the other players so much that they feel that they can tone down their pace and energy and still win? That one from Dino. Do you have any initial thoughts that's, on that? That's actually interesting, because I never really thought about it as uh, conf- uh, arrogance. I thought of it as confidence and bizarre. Yeah. And not bizarre bad, like bizarre good. Like he, having been around him a bit, like I've been privileged enough. I interviewed Connor Hellebuck the year he was drafted at the Jets rookie camp. And I thought he was 13 years old Mm -hmm. and he, like, I felt bad for him. I wanted to, uh, I'm being, I'm trying to be funny here. I'd never do it, but I wanted to give him a hug and say, just calm down. Yeah. Like he had, I don't think he'd ever done interviews before. He was in that whatever B division league in Texas. Odessa, the Odessa, the Odessa Jackrabbits. And he basically got a scholarship and was drafted in the national hockey league. So for him to go from that to where he is now, that's the bizarreness of it. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I remember talking to this kid when he could barely stop shaking to do an interview to where the point is he'll get pulled in a 6-1 loss and go, I thought I played great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I never really thought of it that way, actually. But um, look, to me, it's what works, right? It's whatever you do, your process. Mm-hmm. And he's come out and done a lot of work with mental health now as well and, yeah. and the book and everything else. So I think he has a good grasp on his confidence or whatever you call it, arrogance yeah. or anything like that. So um, it, as long as it works, I, I do raise an eyebrow when like that Vegas series in 2018, when he's like, I don't know how we lost this. We put yeah. the work in and we did like, he didn't comprehend how yeah. another team did as well to, to now. So I don't mind it at all because it's quirky and it, it's bizarre and it stands out. But what I, it, Hey, whatever it works. Like if you want to talk about yourself in the third person, if you want to believe you're great, like Evander Kane used to talk in the third person. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, you know, he is when he's on, he can, so what, Hey, at whatever works, I'm okay with that for an athlete, as long as they feel it works for them. Yeah. Dino. And, and this was kind of the conversation. We only got about two minutes here, but I wanted to make sure we brought this up, um, in terms of, you know, where the Winnipeg jets are going to go in, 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 in between the pipes and, and how exactly important is Connor Hellebuck, uh, bringing back here for a price that, we can only guess here, Jim. Nine, nine and a half is, I believe, what Connor Hellebuck on the free market could potentially command. I don't, I don't think that's an outlandish thing. 
Now, now, not running away from the fact that that Connor Hellebuck has been MVP uh, of this team for years, and there's absolutely no doubt about that. How important is bringing back uh, a goaltender who perhaps is worth nine and a half to this team? Um, but when we look at the six best, best goaltenders in the league, we haven't seen the Vesna nominations yet. But if we just look at some of the numbers here. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, Linus Allmark, Ilya Sorokin, Igor Shosturkin, Andre Vasilevsky, UC Soros. I'd put those as probably the six best netminders in the league. Now, if you look at in terms of save percentage, and all those all those guys that I mentioned, by the way, none of them are in the playoffs. None of them are still in the playoffs. All got bounced in the first round or failed to make it. And then I look at the 10 best goaltenders in terms of save percentage. And out of the top 10 in terms of save percentage, Jam, the only goaltender that is still alive in the playoffs is Jake Ottinger with the Dallas Stars. You know what would be a bigger deep down? And Chris Schomel and I were doing this yesterday after my show for a bit before I went home. Look at the top past 10 goalies who have won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. None of them are in the top five other than Vasilevsky. I was talking with Jay over at Power 97, uh, just Power Mornings over there, and we were talking about goaltenders that rocked in the postseason and was stealing game after game and after game. And with uh, Yaroslav Halak for the Montreal Canadiens, Dwayne Rolison that year for the um, uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers, um, Jaguar, J.S. Jaguar for yeah. the Ducks, where just insane performances by netminders were powering their team through. None of those guys won the so Cup. So there's two things that have changed to me in the last decade. It's the idea that you need six all-star Big tough defensemen. Yeah, and like look at Toronto's defensive core yeah. right now in Florida's, mm-hmm. and one of them is going to the third round compared to Boston's or um, an elite goaltender. You, if you have an elite goaltender, do you want to lose them? No. If you have an elite goaltender, do you, do you, are you thankful and 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 do you need them? Yes. But do you need elite goaltending to be successful? No. You need good goaltending. A texture says it's the Odessa Jackalopes. That is correct. Uh, right, yeah. Confused Jackalopes with Jack Rabbitune. Left hopefully, Michigan to hopefully go you play forgive me. hockey I know in he, Texas. I know he went to UMass Lowell. That I know for and sure. And was outstanding there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's take a break. Let's come back in as well. If you pay nine and a half for Connor Hellebuck, it's going to affect your backup. And you don't have, you know, that's yeah, just the way it is. I think the most uh, good teams can have good goaltending and a t- and a tandem for $8 million together. Pain one nine is e. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on six eighty CJOB. Right now it's sixteen degrees at six eighty CJOB. Fellas, it's all yours. Wow, like a. Uh, that's it. I didn't know if I was going to come in guns a blazing. I'm or... handing it over to you. Yep, fellas, it's all yours. It's your show. Best of luck to you all. Hi, Skylar. How are you, boys? Oh, doing well. How are you? I am just doing fantastic. A lot mm-hmm. of energy after uh, just running down to uh, Portage in Maine there right before the noon news. I joined Loren on Connecting Winnipeg. Um, you know, it's a, an important day, and uh, it's good to see so many people showing support. So that gave me some energy uh, this afternoon. It is. That's a very good point by you. Well done. Thank you. Thanks, Skylar. Now get out of here, kid. We've got <laughs> stuff to talk about. No, I'm just if kidding. You're, if you're not going to tell Great us, point. Well if you're done. not going to tell us what car you're driving. I'm not, boys. I'm not. I guess this is going to continue on the next week. And the dance continues. Yeah, it continues. But, well, the, the list and of people that continue dance. to know, conti- or that know, continues to grow. Justin Bourne knows. He lives in Toronto, I think. 
You told him and you didn't tell us? Yeah, I DM'd him after your, after your hit. Told, wow. I once told asked, him the whole story. I once asked Andrew Ladd if anything surprises him in this league anymore, and he fired back immediately with just that you still have a job. And I fired back <laughs> with, and the dance continues, Ladd. <laughs> and he said, so it does. <laughs> That's funny. That That's is, where we are with Skyler in this car, That's, and the dance continues. It's, Here we go. You know what? Um, I, I, just to make clear, like I think there's a lot of uh, misinformation floating around. I used to drive a Ford Focus. It got written off. Mm-hmm. And uh, the f- check that I got from MPI for my Ford Focus, when you, people know what a Ford Focus is. Is, there like, is this a controversial statement that you used to drive a Ford Focus? No, but what I'm saying is the check that I got from my Ford Focus allowed me to afford both my summer and winter vehicles, okay? okay? okay. So I'm not driving around in a Corvette and a Range Rover. I'll tell you that right now. It is not a BMW. Is it a Beamer? I don't know. Is it a Beamer? Oh. What is it? What are you talking about? I mean, a Ford not, Focus does not yeah, parlay into on. a Beamer. Well, yeah. Go to this. any Beamer dealership in Winnipeg right Do now. Do I use turn signals? look at all the used Fords on yes? the lot that okay. people are trading in for you Beamers. You don't drive a BMW. You don't? No, I'm just saying if you use turn signals, you're not a BMW driver. BMW drivers don't use turn signals. That's I don't true. even know if Beamers have turn signals. I'd like a Beamer if there are dealerships in the town. <laughs> you want to be a part I, of this? I think there's a certain uh, Winnipeg Jets owner that might be involved with a BMW dealership. Oh. I don't know. That remains to be seen. Maybe that's why we don't have a sponsorship from them. Who knows? <laughs> but if they want to be involved in the Jets at noon, Beamers all around, we'll do it. Just hacking, eh? All right, thanks. Thanks, Skyler. Cheers, boys. This is going nowhere. It's going nowhere. Enjoy your Friday. I can't believe he's just refusing to even pivot on this (laughs) This point. This has gone from a mystery to just begging for car dealerships (laughs) to give us vehicles. It's it's terrible radio. Let's move on. Let's talk some... This is fascinating talk. I want to... Yes, this is a fantastic topic. And when I saw it today... um, Oh, and as I... um, This is something that I, when I initially saw... Uh, when it came down the pipe, I was like, what? Then I cooled off to it. As I started looking at uh, some other comparables across the league, it started to make sense to me. Okay, The, the Norris? The Norris. Because somebody on social media reached out and said, I would love to know what Cam's going to say about this tomorrow. Okay. Well, I initially was hot and thought this was, a, this was highway <laughs> so they robbery. Right. They were right. And then I you know, did some research and I calmed myself down. Um, but to Corey says, no Norris nomination for 44. What a joke, NHL. Uh, Neil says, sure disappointed Morris. He never got any coverage for the year he had. Um, and it, so, so we're getting some text messages from some guys like that. Now, initially when I, when I saw it, I was... Uh, taken aback, I said, "Well, this is this is ridiculous." Given and there's one particular outlier, and I would never not classify this player as the best, if not one of the best, uh, defensemen in the league. But I have an issue with the amount of games that he played. Okay, yeah. So initially, I thought, okay, Josh Morrissey didn't get the nod. That's he, he got robbed here. And then I looked at some of the contemporates and the other guys that I would consider sort of in this sort of, like I, I think everybody would agree that Morrissey likely had a top five, top eight around that range uh, season. That tailed off in the end when he was dealing with injuries and the team, the team tailed off as well. Um, and if and I think if that momentum would have continued, I think he definitely would have got a nod. But when I looked at the numbers from uh, with the Devils, Dougie Hamilton, uh, Buffalo's Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Miro Haskinen with Dallas, who are sort of these other guys that also didn't get nominated. And I looked at the numbers and I, and I looked at it just just flat out. I I understood why Morrissey uh, perhaps didn't get um, uh, a nomination beyond those guys. It wouldn't have been a surprise to me if Josh Morrissey was was in that top three group. 
Um, but uh, but he he didn't make it. So and uh, the Jets doesn't get the coverage. I I think Josh Morrissey was getting a lot of press about his play in the beginning half of the season. I don't think it has anything to do with him being the Jets. Now you look at Adam Fox was one of the nominations, and he had great numbers in a a, a fantastic two way defenseman who also provides offense. Uh, I have no problem with Adam Fox on that list. Eric Carlson as well. I mean, he's got 101 points, minus 26, not a great defenseman. And, and the, the sort of the, the, in terms of the best defenseman, which is what the Josh, which, which, is, which is what the Norris is supposed to select, to the defenseman, in quote verbatim here, to the defensive player who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all around ability in the position. I wouldn't suggest that that's Eric Carlson. Uh, but of course, I think everybody knew he was going to be getting a nod just because he, you know, for the first time in a long time, uh, a player gets over 100 points on the blue line. And the one that I was very surprised at, and I didn't even consider because of the fact that they had missed 22 games out of the season, was Kel McCarr, who had a great year for the games he did play and is definitely the best, if not one of the best, defensemen um, in the league. But he missed 22 games of the year. And I, I, to me, I didn't even it didn't even enter my mind that missing that much of the season, that somebody would have been able to take that jump and be a top of the nom. I don't think he's going to win, but to be nominated when you miss that much of the season, I I was surprised by that because I didn't even think that he would even that he, he wasn't even in my mind as a player that was in contention for the Norris. I'm so on board with you, and this isn't so much of I can't believe Josh Morrissey isn't a finalist talk. This is I can't believe Kale McCarr is. If you, you would have called me at 6.30 this morning, it would have turned into a conversation like that. Why isn't Josh Morrissey nominated? But Yeah, I, 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 look, when it came out, it, was, it wasn't a shock that he wasn't a finalist. It was a shock that Kale McCarr was. Yeah. And I've had some Avalanche fans reach out and go, if he did this and if he did that, he, he would have been the Yeah, if. If he had played more than 60 games, he missed a quarter of the season. And then I had some analytic and stats people reach out to me and said, well, he produced more in those 60 games than Josh Morrissey did in 78. Fine. I don't care. How do you miss a quarter of the season and get nominated for a yearly award? I have no idea. Like part of part of this is playing the season. And what I couldn't seem to convince some people on social media last night is you don't know if Kale McCarr is going to be playing banged up for, so he missed 22 games this year. Is there an advantage for a guy not playing 78 games and how he can produce in those 18 less? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is there an advantage for a guy who was injured twice this year at different parts of the season? So he gets a quote unquote rehab recoup rest in the middle of the season twice. Yes. Does this demean anything Kyle McCarr does? No. Does it demean him being the arguably the best defenseman in the entire National Hockey League? No, it doesn't. But to win a yearly award, you have to play a certain percentage, in my mind, of the season's games. Yeah. You can miss four, maybe five, and I don't want to see you in contention. Connor McDavid could have got injured at game 50 and missed the rest of the year and have 110 points, and I still don't think he should be the Hart Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. Because there's a guy named Matthew Tuchuk who's played 82, has 109 points, and he's more valuable to his team because he played the other 28, 30 games. Yep. I don't understand how Kale McCarr is a finalist. I, I, he missed a quarter of the season. How, how do you look at this and come to that conclusion that just... 
I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand now, it. The, it's, the not, it's not a conversation about Kale. exceptional. Yeah, it's not a conversation if Kale McCarr isn't the best. He is. And you and can, it's nothing to do with, with, with getting the Norris nod. And you can argue that he's the best defenseman in the league. You can argue that he had a better 60 games than any other defenseman. Yeah. If you want to argue that, for sure. But it's not a 60-game season. And part of these great seasons include how often did Josh Morrissey play hurt? All the time. All the time. Most of the season. Yeah. So there's a there's a, a law of attrition here that comes with being an elite point getter and solid defenseman. Yeah. The defensive play of Josh Morrissey is similar at, at the end of the year as Eric Carlson, but it wasn't through the first 60 games. Through the first 50 games, his defensive play was exceptional. It averaged out because mm-hmm. the team tanked for two and a half months. Kale McCarr missed a lot of the struggles and partly the reason why Colorado struggled, and I get it, was because Kale McCarr was in the lineup. But when this team wasn't playing well, he wasn't around for it like Josh Morrissey was. Yeah. All of these are factors to me compared to just how many points did he get and how how is he defensively. It, the, the National Hockey League desperately needs the Bobby Orr Award. Yeah. Where it's the the most offensive team, and it doesn't go to the defenseman who has the most points. It goes to the top three defensemen who has the most points and some solid defensive numbers. Mm-hmm. And then they need the Ron Langway Norris Trophy, whatever you want, which is the best defenseman. Which I think Chris Tanev last year in Calgary should have won. He was like a plus forty something, I think, or or I could be exaggerating yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But he was an exceptional defensive defenseman. He rarely got scored on. He doesn't put up points. But he defines what being a National Hockey League defenseman is defensively. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't. I I had Josh Morrissey in the top five, and I was not surprised he was not nominated. This isn't you know old poor Josh Morrissey. Yeah. This is I'm shocked a guy can miss a quarter of the season and still win, be up for an, an award. Yeah, that, that's it's just surprising to me that that travel extra travel extra wear and tear it just seems wrong extra fatigueness overtime games in the 22 he's missed more block shots in the 22 he's missed the attrition of playing 78 to 82 games and being Dougie Hamilton Rasmus Aldean Eric Carlson if you want I don't find him good defensively but whatever Adam Fox those are guys who I think deserve to be nominated more than Kale McCarr for the simple fact of they played the majority, if not all, of the season. The way I look at it as is the season needs to be looked at as a whole. There's no there's no charts. There's no progression. There's none of that sort of thing. It is what it is. If the season is done, it needs to be based on that. Otherwise, give the award out at 60 games. Well, why not? You know what? Who's the best? It's an 82-game season, but if you're really good and elite at 60, we'll just 60 games in, Wow, 60 games uh, sixty games into the season, the Boston Bruins are rolling. You might as well just handed them the, the championship, right? Let's take a break. Let's come back. On the other side, Jeff Spencer, the chair of the Aboriginal Sports Circle Hockey committee is going to be joining us. The National Aboriginal Hockey Championship is going in Winnipeg. It's starting on Sunday. He'll be joining us in studio right after this. Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. This is a lot of fun. Uh, welcoming Jeff Spencer, uh, the chair of the Aboriginal Sports Circle Hockey Committee, uh, teeing up the National Aboriginal Hockey Championship that gets going at Seven Oaks Sportsplex, 745 Kingsbury Avenue. It gets going on Sunday. Jeff, thanks so much for for popping in here. Hey, thanks for having me, Cam. Looking forward to uh, oh, it's, it's awesome. You're yeah. you're the fir- we were saying uh, during the break here. You're the first guest that we've actually had in the studio here on the 30th floor here at uh, 201 Portage. So it's uh, fantastic having you up. 
Feeling honored and a pleasure to be here. And you literally drove many, (laughs) many hours to be here. Yeah, a little detour from northern Quebec to southern Ontario. A <laughs> little then detour. All the way up, yeah. Yeah, a tiny but, little detour just off the beaten path. We're going to go yeah. check out this, <laughs> this little landmark. Um, this is a fantastic event that you're, that you're here to, 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 to help be a part of. 20th anniversary, maybe about the history of the event. How did, this, how, how did the uh, National Aboriginal Hockey Championship get started? Yeah, and for me, I've had the pleasure and fortune of being the chair since the beginning. So mm-hmm. it's just been a, a beautiful ride. I'm so proud that we're in our 20th anniversary. Um, we started with the Aboriginal Sports Circle. It's a collective group of all the provincial sport bodies throughout the country. And we, we used to do high-performance camps like basketball, volleyball, different sports. But there was such a, a difference of level of uh, skill throughout the country. And we were sitting around one day and we were talking about Canada games and things said, wouldn't we love to have an indigenous team there? And we said, hockey, hockey's the sport that's pretty level across the country. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the baby was uh, born back around 1999, 2000. Mm-hmm. And then we had team indigenous go to Finland for that tournament, had yeah. Jonathan Chicho, uh, uh, John- Jonathan Kane, uh, the late Terrence Tutu was mm-hmm. there. Part of it that uh, Ted Nolan was coaching yeah. and, that was kind of our launch board to the championships, and then we went from there. Uh, how many teams are here, and how did it come about to here in Winnipeg? What gave us the honor to host it this year? Um, we have 15 teams this year. Um, we have BC, Alberta, SAS, Manitoba, Ontario, EDN, representing Quebec, the Atlantic team, and then for the north, we have the Nunavut Mail okay. this year. Um, and to host is we put out a bid process. It's It's... We're back to a two-year COVID kind of threw everything aside, yeah. right? And now we're back to where we've already selected for 2024. Friday, you'll know. And then uh, <laughs> 2025, we're in the process of getting it out now. And so we have almost a two-year window again, and then we'll be building that two-year window through. And in the bid process, we put it out right across, and it's cities bidding with the Indigenous organizations with the support of the the uh, provincial Aboriginal sport uh, organization coming into us. And uh, it's amazing. Like, you know, from year one to now is there's years we had no bids and we had to go. If you look through the history, we were in SAS for two years, 2011, 12, we were in Brissarganawaki for two years. And then all of a sudden things just picked back up. And uh, like we've had three bids when Manitoba bid for the 20th. There were three bids in that. There was one from uh, Member 2, which had hosted in 2018, and they loved hosting. Uh, they got a right. chief there 35 years, and they wanted to host again. Yeah. And uh, one from Quebec uh, near Amos, a smaller Pickle Gang community, uh, Algonquin community. So we go through a process of we, we receive the bids, and nowadays we're getting some high-class, like world-class Chamber of Commerce are involved. The cities are involved, which is great to see that support. Yeah, what, what keeps you coming back? I mean, why is this why is this event so important for me personally? Yeah, the kids. Yeah, um, you know, you look at it. Uh, I said this is the one the one week a year that just rejuvenates me for the rest of the year. Seeing the best of our U 18s on the ice yeah. that Telus Cup, Esso Cup type hockey. You're gonna love it. And I always say we we had the Telus refs do our two thousand seven our two thousand twelve event, and they came a week later and said you're going to like this even more. <laughs> and they were looking at me like, hey, we just refed the national championship, right? Yeah. We got on the ice. It was Sasky. The end. It went seven and a half minutes of overtime. Mm-hmm. 
up and down, crazy competitive hockey. And they came over to the bench after exhausted and, but real, you know, spirited. And I said, you get midget triple A, we get junior triple A because ours is U18 and it's, you know, Manitoba junior leagues. Yeah. It's the Quebec junior triple A. So you get the toughness along with the skill, the size, the speed, and then the fans, you know, the girls were both wearing their jerseys during the guys game, you know, green, green and gold for Sask and EDN and just, and it's such a spirited, you add indigenous spirit to that event right, yeah. and it just makes it a special. Event. I was going to say a hockey tournament's a hockey tournament, but to the kids involved in this one, there has to be an enormous amount of pride to not only participate in it, but man, if you could win this thing, that's something that'll stick with you forever. It is. It is. Um, and you look at some of our past, uh, Alumni, Joss LaRock, uh, JL Rat Ray played, Bridge LaClette, Sydney Daniel. You know, wow. Sydney and Bridge are scouts now for NHL teams. How cool yeah. is that? How yeah. cool is that? That's you really know? cool. Um, same with the guys there. You still got uh, um, Montour playing there. Florida beat my Leafs again last night. What do, you, <laughs> what do you do? When Montour's in on the scoring, I'm kind of happy. You know, he was a great player at the event. He took a big blow, too. He was all bloody up. Anyways, yeah. we, we, Jeff, we're going to leave yes, it there. I, uh, we're going to have to have you back. I'm not letting you leave yeah. town without coming back in the studio here. This is a fantastic conversation. And, hey, Michael Furlan also going to be the head coach of Team Manitoba. Uh, the men, Manitoba men's team last one in 2019. The women, coached by Dale Bear, are the defending national champions. Uh, Jeff Spencer with the National Aboriginal Hockey Championship. He chairs the event. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much. Monday morning at 8, be at the ring. There we <laughs> go. Right. Thank you, Make guys. sure you're there. Things are getting going. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. thanks a lot, thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Take care. Take Jim care. Toth thanks. will take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Forte, for producing the show. That's it for me. I'll be back on Monday. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.